Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly. And today we have the honor of being joined by Kate Assetti from Interpernet. Thank you for joining us, Kate. And as we always get started, Patrick, I know you have a new story for us. So let's get rolling. Yep. So since we're going to be talking a lot about interpretation today, I kind of pivoted from our normal translation focus uh, and tried to find a new story that relates to interpretation. So um, I found a cool one from PR Newswire that um, was announcing that Microsoft Teams now has an integration to get um, live interpreters on your Teams calls. So basically, from my understanding, you're able to enable a language switcher, pick the languages you want, and then you'll be able to have those interpreters on the line. So that's pretty cool. I know we've seen it with some other video chat platforms in the last two years as everyone's kind of been pushed remote. So I think it's it's pretty awesome that now, you know, the big three that we think of are Zoom, Google Meets, and Teams, now that they all have some sort of language integration. So it, it seems awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a long time coming, right? Very important with the pandemic, especially, um, you know, as it drags on and as work, the nature of work changed. I know we're going to talk to Kate about that today, what, what interpretation looks like post-COVID and what meetings and trade shows and and everything. But why don't we start here? Kate, our listeners don't know you. We're introducing you to them today. So I believe you are the Director of Sales and Marketing at Interpretnet. Is that correct? I am the Senior Sales and Marketing Manager at Interpretnet. Okay, yes. that's the correct title. Thank you for correcting me on it. <laughs> why don't okay. you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into languages? What did you study in school? Because we, you know, we have all sorts of listeners. We have professionals that are already in our industry, but then we also have they're in college, you know, students that are studying languages. They're not sure how they're going to get into the market. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Sure. Well, firstly, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's funny. Um, I think anybody who got into the language service industry maybe within 10 years ago or even longer, they kind of fell into it, right? And that's certainly my experience. Um, so, I actually ended up temping for a language service company based locally just outside of the Philadelphia area. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I'm a first-generation American. I love culture. I love languages. And I was just enthralled by this industry that I had no idea. I had no, you know, uh, uh, introduction to prior to. So um, that really was the hook for me, just getting to speak with people from different cultures, different languages, and getting exposed to that. Uh, and I worked my way up. So they, they liked me. They decided to keep me on. And I, I started from the bottom rung all the way to the top. And then within 10 years, I was, um, or just a little under 10 years, I guess it was six, I became the director of the interpretation department for that local um, firm. After that, I, I moved into a sales and business development role for a nationwide company that was working internationally as well. Uh, and then since moved on to Interpronet. So I, I've had um, I've had a, quite a varied experience in different types of, of services for language the language industry, but primarily focused on interpretation. So it's been it's been a long ride, but it's been a, a fabulous one, a really interesting one. So with with that broad level of experience, Kate, um, if you were if you if there was a student sitting right in front of you who's in a language services program right now and and they said, you know, gosh, I don't know how I fit. I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm not sure I want to be a translator or interpreter. What piece of advice would you give them? 
I would say get connected with a local uh, either group or consortium or, or get involved with um, local chapters. Like, for example, um, they have um, um, the ATA for Tr American Translators Association, or you can even get, you know, local within a, a specific county. Uh, just to meet with people and understand. I think if you don't know what you want to do in the language service industry, try it out, right? Understand what an interpreter does. Understand what uh, a translator does. What's the difference? Uh, most people don't know the difference or they think that interpreters and translators are synonymous. But there's so many different aspects of the language service industry. You could get into captioning. You can get into subtitling. You can get into review, document review, you know, quality assurance. There's so many different aspects. And then more on the, on the kind of administrative side, if you don't want to actually be a linguist, there's project management, there's, you know, recruitment, there's a ton of different areas you can get involved in. So I would say, look at what your best skill set is, and just get some experience under your feet. See if you can intern, see if you can get involved with other professionals and get a mentor and understand, you know, what is it that you like about the language service industry and what are you best suited for? And then just go from there. Great advice, Kate. And, um, you know, that's the thing that really bothers Patrick um, <laughs> and, and, and me is this whole idea of not understanding what the difference is between a translator and interpreter. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I can't tell you, especially right now with all that's going on in, in Ukraine and uh, – I hear the word translator thrown around so much when they really mean interpreter that it yes. really, like my family now hates it when the news is on and they say, well, and the translator said, oh God, I just, yes. yeah, it's a thing. So anyone a, working in the language service industry, it, it's very irksome, but yes. I think that's where we come in, where we have to be advocates and stewards of information. Uh, I think one of the favorite things that I've ever done was getting in front of um, attorneys or other types of clients, whether they were in the medical field, business, corporate, just educating them on what the difference is. I think, too, because there's so little information. And before, there wasn't really a clear path or trajectory um, to become an interpreter or a translator, there certainly was an education on the differences or, or how uh, they're utilized or what's appropriate, a professional role of a translator versus an interpreter or anyone within the industry. So it's that's really important also. So to that note, I, I have another question just to, to level set for our listeners too. So we talk uh, a ton, Peter and I, about you know what we do as a translation company. So what what are the kinds of things that interpretation companies offer? Like what kind of services are in your arsenal that, that you're able to provide? Sure. So interpretation covers a full suite of solutions and a scope of different solutions for different clients. So when most people think about interpreters, I'm assuming, um, because maybe I'm a little biased, but I guess they think of maybe something like what – what they think of a, the blue phone, right? You know, language line or something like that, where, you know, they're going into a hospital setting and they're picking up a phone and getting an interpreter on demand. But there's so many different ways to utilize language services and so many different types of interpreters um, that it's really important to distinguish the difference. So, for example, at Interpretant, we have two different divisions that specialize in different types of interpretation settings. So we have... Um, interpreters that are credentialed for courts. So they're on the consortium. They're with the AOC, the Association of the Courts. They're certified as an interpreter. It's a three-part um, credentialing process. It's very intensive. It takes a lot of time, and it's not 
easy to 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 complete and pass. Um, so court certified interpreters are often used within court settings, but also legal settings. For example, with depositions, EUOs, which is an examination under oath, etc. Then you have your certification for medical interpreters. So there's the CCHI, and then there's the CMI, Certified Medical Interpreter, and Certified um, um, Healthcare Interpreting Certification. There are also uh, workshops and other things that you can do for being a community interpreter. So there isn't necessarily one certification. Like if you're a translator, typically you're certified by one body and you have a certification in your language. But to become an interpreter, like I said, there's not a clear path. You have to figure out where you want to go. So there are people who have degrees, uh, masters of interpretation, a master's degree in, in interpretation. They maybe they went to the Middlebury Institute um, of International Studies and they they received that. They became a conference interpreter. They're certified with Ike AIIC, the Association of International Conference Interpreters. Um, so. I'm not really answering your question. It's a very long answer, I should say. But no, it's fine. I, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good, Kate. But, but I think the you know it, it brings up a good point. But to dig a little bit deeper on that, mm-hmm. so it's not just the phone interpretation. But I know you do a lot of other things like video, right? So how does video absolutely. come into play these days? Or big meetings? I think you can support big meetings as well. Absolutely. So we do uh, quite a lot. So for video. Um, there's a whole suite of different solutions you can get into with video. So for medical appointments, we can provide credentialed interpreters for that. But if you're getting into like UN type of settings where you really need a specialized interpreter that's credentialed, that's qualified, um, that is has performed remote simultaneous interpretation, you need somebody that is at a totally different level. So there's different tiers uh, of experience and qualifications for an interpreter. Um, for big meetings, uh, we can do that remotely, and usually uh, a client will have a preferred platform. So, for example, um, if a client is working for corporate meetings and they, they want to have a, a meeting on WebEx or Zoom, there's technology that enables interpreters to either directly integrate or to utilize additional software to provide interpretation remotely. Um, with the UN, the setup is a little bit different, um, so they have... Uh, they have um, an on-site setup where they have hybrid interpreters. During the course of COVID, um, they had interpreters that would be hybrid and utilizing proprietary platform to provide their interpretation. And now they're getting back to the traditional on-site setup. Um, but with there's so many different options. And I think with, with Interpreter, what makes us different is that we cater to the needs of the client. So we're very consultative and we're very flexible. So it's not just this is our platform and this is how we're going to do it and this is how you are going to receive your interpretation. There's a lot of creativity that goes into how we provide because it depends on what your your desired end experience or user experience is. It depends on the setting. It depends on what kind of interpretation you need. Is it a conference? Is it a webinar? So it, it just runs the full gamut. And, and we can get in more into the minutia, but it's, mm-hmm. no, I, it's I, catered to each client. I like that, Kate, because I think you know the, 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 the big point there is that it's not that a customer calls in and you know they give you one sentence and then you say this is your solution. Instead, what you're talking about is you ask a lot of questions 
understand what the best route is, and then you have options that you can provide. Because I think one of the points there, because not everybody understands. So what Kate was talking about there in terms of simultaneous um, versus consecutive interpretation is we're all familiar with consecutive, right? You watch TV and it's a courthouse and the person that's on the stand speaks in another language and then they stop and then the interpreter does his or her thing and then they stop and then you go back and forth and back and forth. What Kate was talking about is, hey, if you have a big corporate event or um, where you have a lot of listeners that have different languages, what in- what InterpreNet is able to do, depending on which platform, is to provide simultaneous interpretation, which is a whole different skill set than a consecutive interpreter, where, like you would see in the United Nations, is people have either um, uh, an earpiece headset. in, a headset, and they can get the real live stream of what the interpreter So this way, nobody has to stop. Everybody's just speaking in their language, and through a headset, people are getting their native language, which is awesome. Because there's no pausing. It's just like speaking like we are right here. Nobody has to pause. Nobody has to stop. But the devil's in the details on the tech, isn't it, Kate? That's that's where... It is. <laughs> it is. And the devil's also in the details in terms of preparation, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of... Um, layers that go into it, simultaneous interpretation. If ev- anyone learns a second or third language and attempts simultaneous interpretation, just try it. Follow along with the radio or with the TV. It is difficult. It is really challenging to do um, because your brain is processing one language and outputting another. So typically, simultaneous interpreters will work in teams of two or more. Um, and yes, you're receiving the information in real time. So it, it definitely changes the process, but it's a totally different skill set than, as you mentioned, consecutive interpretation where there's a pause. There, There's a whole other host of skills that go along with that, including note-taking and, and making sure that none of the information is missed in consecutive interpretation. But uh, it's really fascinating. There's just so much information available and so much information that's not really widely known about what it takes to be a professional interpreter and the different different modalities that there are. I, I jump in and say I'm very much not jealous of simultaneous interpreters. It is really, a, they are awesome and it's a crazy difficult skill set. I've had to do it once when I was on vacation. Um, like I was in Peru on the top of Machu Picchu and our guide who was bilingual was like, I'm done speaking English. I'm just doing Spanish. You do the English this time. And I was like, what? Come on, man. So it is, it is very difficult to do it on the fly and do it simultaneous. So hats off to all simultaneous interpreters out there. It is, it is quite the skill set to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So, um, transitioning a little bit, obviously, uh, I hope we're finally coming out of the pandemic, I think, for good, hopefully. Um, it's been very challenging for interpretation companies. I know in an association that, that we're in, that in fact our organization as well, InterpreNet, um, and having some conversations with some companies that were very reliant on trade shows and, you know, it, it definitely very, very challenging. So that being said... What were some of the changes that you saw in the business, Kate, and how you delivered services and what customers were requesting? Um, and part two of that question is going to be, you know, where is that today? Like, obviously, you had to really pivot and do some things differently inside of COVID, you know, during this pandemic. And what do you see um, as changes that are either permanent or changes going back to the way they were? Sure. It's interesting. And I think it varies, you know, from client to client and from region to region. Um, but for certainly, 
Certainly. Uh, when we were doing on-site interpretation, for example, for on-site mm -hmm. trade shows, conferences, and things like that, you would see your traditional setup with a full booth or a tabletop booth with interpreters in the back, and then you have all your participants utilizing radio frequency or infrared receivers. Now, with the pandemic, because of social distancing, because people were not able to travel, uh, we had to be flexible and be able to enable this type of technology into virtual platforms. So understanding uh, technology and, and innovations that were available and embracing that, I think a lot of the detriment for many interpretation providers is that they were afraid to embrace that technology or didn't know where to begin and didn't start. So a lot of those who did not want to embark on the remote space, they really felt that financially and it impacted their business in terms of their, you know, just their, their activity and, and their revenue. Um, and I, like I said at the very beginning of the conversation, I think one of the challenges too is that there's so much technology available. It's 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 difficult to be to to provide services that caters to everyone. You have to be kind of technology agnostic. Um, so I think one of the differentiators for Interpretnet is you know we can cater to whatever it is. We'll find a solution. We have a, a really robust technical team and and great partners that help us to to navigate what it is that our clients are asking of us and what we can and cannot do. So for example, Zoom is really great. It's got an interpretation feature, but it's not conducive for simultaneous interpretation, right? There's an interpreter booth built into Zoom, but if interpreters are working in a team, they can't hear their partner. They might not be able to hear when they're, they have to do their handover. So it's challenging. So we have a proprietary platform that we use which is kind of our virtual interpreter booth. And the interpreters can hear each other. They can talk with a, a tech because it's really important to have a tech support person on while you're utilizing simultaneous interpretation. They can circumvent audio issues, tech, tech issues, communicate with the client, etc. It's really important. And the interpreters are able to, to, to work together with very minimal interface. Like you said, simultaneous interpretation is really taxing. It's very demanding. So to add the complexity of trying to communicate with your partner or understand what's going on or circumvent an issue, it's really difficult to do if you don't have the right support and technology to do that. <clears throat> Same thing with, you know, for example, WebEx or, or some other platforms out there. There are different ways that we integrate our proprietary technology into the platforms to be able to deliver the interpretation in real time with simultaneous interpretation. And then when you get into multiple languages, adding relay is a factor. So if the floor of the, the audio, which means the speakers that are speaking, if that changes to another language, we have to be able to pivot and have all the other languages listen to the interpretation for that language. So if somebody's speaking in French, we need an interpreter to interpret French into English and then, for example, English to Mandarin or English to Spanish because we might not have a, a French to Spanish or French to Mandarin interpreting pair, right? So there's a lot of complexity that's added, but being flexible, one, from a setup side and from a technology standpoint is really, really important. Great. Thank you, Patrick. I think you had the next one. Yep. So um, we were talking about kind of where we were going. So like, where do you see the future? Are, are live events coming back? Is it going to be everything still remote or kind of a mix of the two? What, do you, what are you guys seeing? I'm seeing a mix of the two. I think people are, are getting what we call Zoom fatigue or tech fatigue. People want to get back to in person. I think there's certainly um, a desire to have that connection again, that human interaction. Um, so certainly I see that a lot. 
Um, but from a budget standpoint, a lot of clients find it very attractive to reduce their overhead costs. So travel, lodging, shipping of equipment, you know, on-site interpreters being perhaps more expensive than having remote interpreters. You know, there are a lot of logistical components that factor in budget and cost. So I, I think it'll be a good, healthy mix, but we are going to see an uptick and we are starting to see an uptick of on-site events happen more and more, especially as now people are getting more comfortable with the idea of, of uh, on-site events and are more comfortable with health and safety in terms of COVID, right? Great. You started to touch a little bit on remote interpreting and how it works. And I think it's, um, for a lot of our listeners, it might be something that's completely foreign, if you will, something new, um, like mag black magic, genie in a box sort of thing. <laughs> if you could tell us a little bit about remote interpreting, um, for example, I, I know one of the platforms that you represent is Interprefy. So maybe speak a little bit about how it works from the viewpoint of the person organizing the meeting from the mm -hmm. person viewpoint of the speaker, someone who's presenting slides, mm -hmm. and from the viewpoint of a participant. And then what we'll follow up with there as well, and I'm sure there'll be other follow-up questions too, but what we'll follow up with there is what's the like what are the benefits? You mentioned a little bit about perhaps a difference in cost, but what are some of the other benefits in terms of versus traditional on-site versus say hosting something on the Interprefy platform? Sure. So remote Simultaneous interpretation is exactly what it sounds like. Your interpreters are simultaneously interpreting, but they are in a remote setting. So you mentioned the Interprefy platform. Interprefy is our technology partner. Uh, and that's what I mean when we say we're technology agnostic. We use their uh, platform for our virtual booth, but we can integrate that technology to any virtual platform that the client would be using. So from a client standpoint, our team works to either do a direct integration if it's possible or provide other solutions uh, so that their participants and audience members can access interpretation easily and with very minimal friction. So um, we handle all of that on that side. Um, from the interpreter standpoint, um, what they see when they're working, they have electronic documents that they're utilizing. Perhaps instead of handouts, paper handouts and prep materials, they'll have a copy of the slide deck available on hand. They'll have um, the notes, the names of the speakers, and all of this kind of sent to them pre-event, which also would happen on an on-site event. Um, but they also have um, the ability to to chat with their partners and, and share and compare in an electronic setting, which might be faster perhaps than if you're sit sitting next to your booth mate and they're handwriting you notes or, or trying to communicate with you while you're interpreting. Uh, from the audience perspective, I think it's really, um, I guess it depends on the audience member, but from my perspective and from the feedback that we received, it's really just user intuitive and user friendly. They either access interpretation by clicking a button, they put their headset on and they listen in their preferred language, you know, or, you know, we provide them with other instructions. It's simple, one, two, three, this is what you do. And they're listening in their preferred language. So um, in terms of experience, I think we, we try to make it as easy and seamless as possible. <clears throat> and some of the benefits of that include um, the audience members not having to travel. So logistically, it makes them it easy for them. They get to listen from the comfort of their own home or their office or while they're on the road. For the interpreters as well, it limits um, the amount of travel that they have to do. Maybe they have a better 
home-life balance. They can spend more time with their family and less time on the road. And from a technology standpoint, we have people that are supporting us from all over. For example, our director of professional services is based in Serbia. We have a tech team uh, from all over. We have one tech lead in Hawaii. We have another one in Philippines. We have them U.S.-based. So it's really it's it's interesting because we get to work with people from from all over and act and access that talent. Right? We're not beholden to having a you know a U.S.-centric base. Or we're limited to logistics of, you know, travel and, and lodging, you know, availability. That that seems like a huge advantage, you know, having access to more talent and not worrying about travel restrictions. I mean, especially today as, as we're coming out of the pandemic and things are not equal in all countries and, mm-hmm. you know, not having to worry about geography um, seems like a huge advantage. That's great. You Absolutely. get to the talent you need, the best talent you need. I, from our perspective, even from the translation perspective, I think that's been a big thing for us. Not that we were every, ever a technology-averse company. I don't think anyone would accuse uh, our firm of being technology-averse, perhaps the opposite. Um, but we were always thinking about geography restrictions when it came, whether it was for our project management talent, not so much translation talent, but even sales talent. And And the pandemic really taught us that geography doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, especially with where we are today in technology. So... That's a great point, Kate. Um, Patrick, you know where I always go at this point in the show, but before I do that, I want to ask if you have any more questions for Kate. I do not. Um, I think we covered a lot, and I've been taking notes on my takeaways, so no pressure on the both of you. Oh, see, you're, you're always an overachiever, Daly. That's you. Um, all right, so I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to start with you since you're Mr. Prepared then. Patrick, what's your biggest takeaway from everything we covered today with Kate? I'm going to cheat and take two of them, so tough luck if this is one of your guys' takeaways. But I guess I'm just going to respond with ditto then, so go ahead. (laughs) Uh, My first one was that um, there are a lot of careers in the language services industry that are not being a linguist or an interpreter. Um, You don't necessarily have to be speaking or writing in another language to work in the industry. I mean, we talked about project management, sales, even tech leads and things like that. There's a whole ton of careers in the language service industry that you may not know exist. So like we talked about at the top, kind of getting your foot in the door, making those connections, networking with people in the industry is super duper valuable because you'll get to see how a language company works and kind of the things that you may not know exist even. Um, And then the other takeaway I have is that User experience is king. Um, Like Kate was mentioning, they're kind of tech agnostic, so they can really work and be flexible and nimble to make make a solution work for any platform that a customer might have. So I think that's awesome that that you guys are able to just make it work. It seems like so that's that's a really big positive that I took away. Great, Kate. I'm gonna come to you next. So if um, you know you had to stress one point from everything we covered today, what would that one point be? Sure. Uh, I think just in reviewing the conversation, it's really important to to advocate, um, to educate, but also to ask questions, right? I think for us, uh, you know, we want to be consultative in our approach and, and we want to make sure that we are expressing all of the dis- different possibilities that are available and understand all the different needs of our clients. So from a, a technological and, and from a, a user kind of a user experience perspective, it's really important to ask questions and provide a lot of information because there's so many different possibilities, 
you know, you want to come to the conclusion of the best one. Wonderful. And, and mine is similar. So my takeaway was I really liked when you when you talked about that cons- consultative approach because I can just think of, you know, an HR manager who's tasked with, you know, doing a meeting with a bunch of their employees for benefits and there's multiple languages uh, across multiple countries in terms of the presentation or, you know, they may not know this stuff. They may, again, you know, we're talking about the difference, just understanding the difference between a translator and interpreter. And and that's not... Which we didn't cover, by the way, did we? No, we we, we just, (laughs) we did briefly, but we're going to right now. We're going to do it real fast. So translator is the written word, the interpreter is the spoken word, right? I mean, that's just the, that's like your basic, basic definition. Never use the word translator when we're talking about someone who's speaking. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, But, you know, they may not know. and, And that's not to denigrate that, you know, or, or say that they're ignorant. No, they know their job. They know they right. know HR back and forth, but why would they know this? That's where you come in to just ask a lot of questions because that's, that's one thing. You know, in, in working on projects like these, I think they're far more complex than people understand, especially with all the tech. So, you know, don't be upset when you get 10 questions like, you know, who's the intended audience and what written materials are there and how are we going to deliver this and is there going to be questions are people going to need to take the floor and ask questions or is it going to be just one speaker? You know, those are all like incredibly important questions that help you do your job. So I loved that you you covered that and um, it's kind of a mantra that we have here with, as well, which is, you know, a tailored approach. It's like there's not there's not one solution. There's a ton of different ways to do this and to make sure that it does it works successfully, you have to know a lot of information. So I would say be ready for any consumer that you know, you're going to, there's going to be a lot of questions, but just know that what Kate's t- Kate and her team are doing there is they're trying to make sure you succeed. Um, that's why they're asking a hundred questions. So. <laughs> a thousand Great. and one or less. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's always in your best interest. Well, that, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of Translation Confidential. Kate, Patrick, thank you so much for jumping on today. Uh, And until next time, this is Peter, Patrick, and Kate signing off.